Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy, courtesy of the Columbus Dispatch, and of course, our producer, the Podfather, Patrick Flaherty. Uh, our, per usual, our fine beat writer, Jacob Myers, joins us. Uh, Kyle is uh, is on assignment, uh, as it were, uh, Kyle Robertson, so he won't be joining us today. Um, in his place, the... Uh, the Bradley Wright Phillips off the bench, if you will, is uh, old friend Morgan Hughes, no stranger to this program, a, a once prolific podcaster in his own right, uh, a uh, a primary member of the Save the Crew management team, um, and uh, uh, someone who has some uh, a mixed thoughts about the, the rebranding, which we're going to talk about, which we got into last week, and what was a non-epic rambling um, rant uh, that that uh, didn't deserve to to hit anyone's ears. Um, and if uh, Nora uh, needs uh, to take a nap, she should just listen to last week's speakeasy. Uh, but let's get right to it. First off, um, uh, we have one game, Jacob, to to go over. Uh, yet another uh, shutout. Uh, the, the home club was shut out once again. Uh, that's, by my count, in MLS play, five shutouts they suffered. Four, four and five games. Yeah, four and five games. They had a three-goal game in there. They have three goals, four, four against, minus one on the season, one, two, and two. Eleventh place in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, mitigating factors, considering uh, their foray into Champions League and the compression of their early schedule. Um, but uh, I think uh, the theme of the day when it comes to talking about the team on the field, Jacob, is uh, is uh, where, where's the offense gone? Uh, because, you know, and I'll just set it up for you by saying that uh, it looked uh, extremely potent in their last Champions, CONCACAF Champions League game against Monterey. Um, uh, not not the last one, but the, the one they played here, the first leg of the uh, uh, quarterfinal series against Monterey. Um, they look terrific going forward. And uh, I don't think we've seen them since be uh, that dangerous. Fair to say? Absolutely. It's fair to say. And, you know, the more I think about it, it I, I don't think it boils down to this one thing, but I do believe it's playing an outsized factor is that was the last game Milton Valenzuela played before he got hurt. And just not having him on the field, you get less runner in the box because that forces your left winger to cross the ball instead of maybe overlapping have your left back get that ball into play so getting him back he's out again against new york city this weekend um in harrison but yeah i I think that's playing a factor uh certainly the compressed schedule but they're going to have to deal with that a lot once they return from the gold cup break so in general they're just not getting the contributions they need. And I think it's primarily coming from the wings. I don't know how much blame you can really put on Jossie for not scoring because he's not getting really any opportunities. There was a 
play against New England where Luis Diaz has the ball going toward the end line and just launches it into into the stands instead of getting across ahead of the defense where uh, Zardes was running. So I, I really think it's down to kind of the play on the wings and those midfielders around Zellerayon. Morgan, what's the view from the stands here on the technical side of things? You know, I think Jacobs, uh, you know, in spite of everything that he's written in the past that's not been accurate, I think he's actually uh, on the money this time. I don't give uh, compliments now. Which is nice, which is nice to see finally from uh, the Shields. Uh, but, um, you know, here's the thing. This is, this, this is kind of right along with what typically happens with teams that win MLS Cup and have to deal with early season CCL. Um, that is certainly not to excuse the play or lack thereof from the crew in the first, um, you know, what, five, uh, five games of the season. But if you look at it, you know, from a 20,000 foot perspective, you know, they are, the crew is what five points off the top of the East with a game in hand on first place, New England. Um, there has been no real training time to speak of it. And while I certainly wouldn't give that the, um, importance that, some would, I would say that Caleb Porter seems to believe in it very much as a, uh, as a way to write this offensively struggling ship. So, um, you know, I think we're in a, a good position, but certainly the offense has got to start pulling their weight. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of, uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, uh, well, just for a friend reference, today is the uh, 21st of of May, uh, Friday, as we record in the morning. and, uh, you know, Morgan, one just one follow up question to you is and, and we discussed it previously uh, on this program. Was there given what's given all the distractions off the field and how much uh, consternation um, the rebranding generated? Um, you know, we had, we had speculated that that couldn't but help couldn't help but sink into the locker room to some degree. I mean, it's easy for players to say, no, that didn't impact us at all. But at the same time, there's a, that you know, as well as anyone, there's a real connection between fans and, and, uh, and, and the team. And uh, I, my suspicion was that, uh, yeah, they knew it was going on and it, it was a drag and it was in the back of their heads and it might've impacted them somehow. What's your view? You know, I think it's impossible to say, both because, you know, the players usually don't talk about that kind of thing. And if they do, I'm not sure how honestly they, they talk about, you know, the fan influence. However, I would say that in, in an age of social media, when everyone's hot takes are so accessible via just clicking on a hashtag and exploring it, it would be um, foolish of us to say that it didn't in some way permeate uh, the the outer um, protective shell that is the usually in the locker yes. room. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that uh, the fans are or the fans are, you know, the fans can drive a team in certain scenarios. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I think that they would be in touch. And based on the couple of players that I've interacted with in the last couple of weeks, um, they're aware they were aware of uh, of our um, 
of our kind of feeling as a fan base, generally speaking. Well, Jacob, they weren't shy to talk to you about it uh, ex post facto uh, this week, correct? To the, the players about the, the players, the yeah, yeah. All, all they said is the, uh, the day after it was released is, oh, we're you know focused on the on-field product and all right. that. I, I've never gotten any, uh, I guess, what you would call probably genuine feeling about it. I, but from what I understand, I like Morgan said, they're they're certainly aware of it, and it's it's hard when you're just constantly inundated with with thoughts out through social media, like Morgan said. Plus, you have to you have to wear that logo. Um, and let, let's before we jump to to um, the wrap on the rebranding, uh, the the last developments and, and where things are going forward. Um, stay, staying on the field, what's the eleven look like um, Saturday tomorrow at seven thirty at the Red Bull Arena, Jacob? Well, questionable for the game is Waylon Francis, Artur, and I don't have it in front of me. There's one other player questionable, but Waylon, oh, Derek Etienne. So with those guys questionable, I don't know who will play. I don't expect Derek um, to play on the we the media first got got to go to our first training session in over a year this week. And he was not in the training group. Um, our tour was, uh, as well as, as Waylon. So that they look more likely to play Milton still out, Perry kitchen still out. So I, I think you're looking at Jossie, Lucas, Pedro, Luis Diaz, uh, Nagby and our tour, and then probably Waylon Francis, Mensa, Josh Williams, and Harrison Offal and Aloy Room. So I, I think, and it should be a rested group. Morgan, in, in uh, a number of minutes, what's the over under on when they score their next goal? I mean, when they score or when a team when the, scores an own goal? The, when because the, when the, <laughs> that's right. Own goal leads the team in scoring, right? Own now. goal leads the team. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I would say that uh, Josh Williams does have kind of a history of playing uh, a, a left or right back, at least. So he's always an option back there if Vito is is ninety minutes healthy. Uh, I've seen nothing from the offense that leads me to believe that they are uh, on the doorstep or on the cusp of breaking through. But you know, who am I, Jacob? What have they said about their set pieces? Has Caleb Porter discussed this? It was just after the one game in Toronto. You're talking defensively. No, I'm talking offensively too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I I mean nothing offensively. I don't think there have been. I guess real issues. They there have been a lot of times this year. I felt like much more so than last year, where they're kind of on the doorstep of one touch, and it's in the back of the net for set pieces. Probably not not in the last couple games, but right, right. Um, I mean, they looked much better it in this past game um, than the game again. Right. So no, I don't think it's a huge concern. But I, if you're looking to kind of um, Get off the snide here. I, I do think that is one one way you can, uh, I guess, loosen up a bit is to get one of your center backs on the score sheet. And very quickly, Jacob, what happened with Luis Diaz and, and or Todd Ramos? Tab Ramos, excuse me. Yeah, Luis Diaz was fined real quickly. Uh, I think that's what you're referring to, right? With uh, MLS disciplinary committee uh, fined. Uh, Luis Diaz for an embellishment of a play against Toronto where the keeper charged out, tackled him. And uh, it just looked like he was trying to make a a soccer play and get a, uh, probably a a red card there. It was just a yellow, but um, I don't know what the the fine was, but just a minor thing. 
Uh, Morgan, how do you define soccer play? I have no idea, but I am I am in <laughs> favor of finding people for faking injuries. I mean, that is a I think that they should have seven people on staff like full time that just watch every game and say you are devaluing the product. Good, sir. You are fine. You know, what's a league minimum salary? Twelve grand. So you're fine. Like a hundred bucks. That seems like it would probably hurt them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to the rebranding, the re rebranding, as it were. Uh, or re re re. I, it's hard to keep track at this point. Uh, or is it a rebrand of the D brand or a D brand of the rebrand? I, I was kind of going back and forth on that. You could call it a myriad of things. Morgan, you could probably get a rap out of that somehow. There's some rhyme in there. Um, uh, the, the team did the right thing. The logo still, in my opinion, um, leaves a lot to be desired is one way to put it. Uh, um, a very mild way to put it. Um, uh, but uh, Morgan, uh, we'll, 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 we'll go to you on this. Um, once you heard the explanation from the team, and this was before the thing really blew up, um, over that weekend when the uh, the first crest leaked and it was a blurry picture of a sweater with a with that pennant on it and the C, the Cartoon Network C, um, uh, and but once you you would you and other uh, supporter leadership had met with uh, with you know, good people trying to do the right thing in the Columbus run office. Um, uh, you know, these people aren't trying to kill their brand. brand. They, it looks like it, but they aren't. They aren't trying to. Their, their hearts are presume are in the are in the right place. But anyway, when it was explained to you, um, the hard edges uh, uh, that you might have uh, had uh, when you first saw the uh, or heard about them removing the name crew and and saw the logo. We're um, we're sanded down a little bit. Uh, just take us through that. Yeah. So I found out, um, you know, per Jacob's reporting in the dispatch, you know, I, I think two, it was two summers ago when um, it was, you know, really, really soon after the crew was officially saved. And, you know, Pete and D got the keys to the castle, walked in and go and went, holy crap, we only have nine employees. Um, I went and had. Uh, you know, beers at Seven Sun with uh, Erica Kress, Tim Bezmichenko, and John Zadar. And there was somebody else there. I can't remember who, but we they kind of, um, Bez was asking us, you know, to rank our, you know, what's important to us when it comes to the brand. And I think John and I both agreed and said, the name is number one, the colors are number two, the badge is number three. Um, you got to stick with two out of those three, man. You have to, you know, and I, I'm, I was certainly not necessarily in favor of changing the, the badge, but, you know, then again, it's been proven that it had the ability to be improved upon. So, you know, I was open to anything. That was kind of the last I heard of it, Mike, until your uh, expose column in January of 2020, which kind of blew the roof off of that process. Um, now, fast forward to uh, this, what, two weeks ago when it started leaking, that, those are like the three parts that I kind of like, uh, interacted with, um, you know, I think the crew did a, a, a decent job of trying to get out in front of, um, as many members of, um, I don't know the, the community as possible that they could kind of explain themselves to. Uh, so I, I met on, if, if the badge came out, what Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. um, I met with Steve Lyons and Dante Washington on Monday morning 
along uh, on their side. And then on our side, it was myself, Steve Weiss and Keith Noss. And they kind of a uh, friend of the show, Keith Noss. And they kind of uh, walked us through the design process, which is not something that they were able to do for a myriad of reasons uh, when they kind of put it out on social media later that afternoon. Um, and it, I, I, I didn't I didn't like the badge and I didn't I certainly didn't like the fact that they got rid of the crew name. But I was um, I was a little less angry because they were able to explain it. And I think that that's something that was missing, like I said, in the process. Um, I also knew just from my experience in crew fandom that this was this was not going to go over well and there would be some sort of backlash and whatever that backlash was, it would be thoughtful and organized and we would have a chance, I believed, to um, change, change it, to change, you know, our, the reality we found ourselves in. So I didn't freak out immediately. It was obviously aesthetically unpleasing and it was upsetting, but I knew that we were going to, at the end of the day, have a say in the matter one way or well, another. I mean, uh, one of the things I wrote was they had to know this was going to blow up, that it was going to blow up in their faces uh, like a well-shaken can of new Coke, if you will. Uh, 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 Jacob, what did they say about that? I mean, it, it was they they had planned this for Tuesday and things started uh, started roiling over the weekend as as the as the 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 crest was was leaked on social media and uh they had to they had to move the meeting up to monday um just just to try to get their hands around the story that they failed to tell properly before they they dropped the bomb but they had to know that uh this was not going to go well in terms of a rollout did they not well they they did because they got that report from Jeff Barger and Charles Camposano and Nordek. I, I haven't had since the rollout of the initial rebrand, not the changing of the name back to Columbus Crew. I have not had an interview with uh, anyone from uh, ownership. That's the Haslam side. Certainly, Dr. P has made the rounds in the media um, or, or Steve Lyons or Tim Bezbachenko about this. But, but uh, the report was sent to. Lions and a few others in the front office uh, that explicitly said that changing the name, dropping the name would be, quote, catastrophic. And I think we probably talked about all this last week when we yeah. Um, yeah. brought it up. But as for Bezbachenko, I know he was aware the report existed from some further conversations I've had with people. I don't know to what extent uh, he knew what was in there. And then you know, Morgan, you were in the meeting. We'll certainly ask you about this. But D. Haslam brought up that report, complimented Jeff and Charles on it, and essentially said this didn't get through the right channels. So what was crazy to me is how like a simple email forward could have possibly avoided this uh, catastrophe. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they they should have been aware of it. And from my reporting, Morgan, I'll talk more about it is uh, D. and J.W. Johnson pretty much said, we had our, our eyes on so many other things, the stadium training ground, and this is the one thing that just dropped the ball. And then they uh, went and corrected it. So, yeah, it, it caused a lot of headache that didn't need to be happen. All right, Morgan. He was uh, he was teeing you up there on a couple things. Um, you know, one thing I would say is that uh, we I'm, I'm, I imagine crew fans do not lose sight of the fact that uh, the new owners uh, – 
have pumped a, maybe a half billion dollars into the operation. Um, they're opening a new stadium in the summer. Rebranding was something they thought would would dovetail nicely with all of that. Uh, but they have invested and delivered a championship. And uh, <laughs> I think I think tired crew fans who are just sick of fighting Don Garber, uh, and then Don Garber and uh, the horse thief Anthony Precourt. Um, She's, they had to sort of uh, rally again, you know what I mean? Is uh, uh, it can make a bad civil war analogy, but we'll try and steer clear of that. And uh, but but here they here they go, and it got lost that uh, you know that uh, the the size of the investment that's been made here, the quality uh, of of uh, the team that's been delivered, the investment in the roster, the championship, and uh, you know it's it's like to me in a lot of ways the the uh, backlash uh, overshadowed um, um, what would have what what has been to this point uh, good caretakers of a public trust. Well, I think that you said it all right there, Mike. Um, when it comes to crew fans specifically right now, um, I mean, you just you have to remember that we have still a bad taste in the back of our throat um, over being lied to and taken advantage of and gaslit and, you know, um, attempted to be destroyed at the hands of the last ownership regime. So anything that happens when it is when it comes to that arena, you know, ownership decisions, you have to have to have to make your decisions with that understanding in mind. Even if you do something with the best intentions, you know that when something goes wrong, we are going to go, hey, what's this? Oh man, what's that taste in the back of my throat? Is it that again? Um, so you know, when you see the outrage from crew fans, you have to understand that, like, you know, this is muscle memory. You're digging into scar tissue that's very painful, even if you didn't mean to. Um, the second thing I would say is this is listen, man. I you know, one of the things I wrote down going into this meeting was that nobody wants heads on pikes over this. Uh, we don't need sacrificial offerings. No one needs to be fired. There's no need for scapegoats. The only thing that mattered was doing the right thing. Um, you know, it was an opportunity. That's how I looked at it. This is an opportunity to learn. And I think one of the things that we should learn from this is how important institutional knowledge is. When you come into something that you don't quite understand, even if you own a pro sports team, it's another league. It's a different consumer. It's a different fan base. Your institutional knowledge should be, should be you know, not just celebrated with an increase in pay, but, but listened to. And, um, then you should follow through on, on the, the, um, recommendations of people who've been through it and know what they're talking about. I'm thinking of Dr. Edwards. I'm thinking of Erica Kress. I'm thinking of Jeff Barger. I'm thinking of Ty Phillips, Charles Compensano, uh, both from a front office and a, and a fan perspective. We've all been through this before. If you would listen to us, we can help guide you to the right decisions. Um, so I think those are the, the, that's the most important thing is institutional knowledge to be, should be protected at all costs. Um, but as far as the meeting went, um, briefly, I'll just kind of describe it since I'm sure we'll have more things to talk about, about the meeting. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's public knowledge now that the, that the first meeting with the Nordic did not go well. Um, I was not in that meeting, uh, the various reports have been that, you know, maybe somebody tore off their shirt, pointed to a, a tattoo on their chest and said, what the hell am I supposed to do with this now? 
there was accusations of turn coterie, maybe. Um, so going into this second meeting, um, you know, it was, uh, I think that everyone was kind of, uh, careful. I, I know that, I know that D and, and JW didn't quite know, um, how to feel based on the reports of, of that first meeting. So that, that was kind of the tone, uh, that we walked into. Right. I, I think it's, uh, I think one thing that hit me was, was, uh, was the gaslight and um, uh, crew fans are going to feel that uh, the heat of that they they understand what it is they're the hair on the back of their neck's going to stand up and the gaslight was um, was the fact that leaving the crust beside aside for a second um, when when you come out with a statement that says uh, we're the crew we're saying the crew more now than anyone's ever said the crew 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 we we just removed it from the official name of the team like that would be something where <laughs> that i think i think that was the that was the uh that was sort of the the button where the the bomb got dropped uh that you know that that's what fans reacted to i think more than anything else or as much as anything else um because uh when you start gaslighting these fans I got the sense that like tired, save the crew people who are retired and just want to watch soccer now heard that crew, 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 crew. We're always the crew, crew forever, black and gold. We're, it's just not in our name anymore. And we're kind of removing yellow. And they all went like, oh, do we have to get up and do this again? You know, they knew what that was. I mean, they knew they were, that it was a, it was BS, you know, it was, it was, it was a, Dan, it's Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, you know, where he goes, I'm too old for this. Every time one of those things <laughs> happens, you're like, man, I'm supposed to retire on Friday. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know. All right, Jacob, on to that aforementioned meeting, Jacob, uh, uh, you uh, delved quite deeply into it. Why don't you give us uh, uh, your reporting on that? Yeah, I'll run it down briefly, then Morgan can, I guess, go into some details that struck him. But, you know, it was originally going to be a group of nine people to represent just about every faction of crew fan base um, you could think of among um, ethnic, racial, and uh, you know, just males and females, all, all kind of factions of, of the fan base. Um, eight people ended up being in the meeting. And, and Morgan described it. It started off, you know, very like. When was this, first of all? This was, this was on Monday afternoon. It started okay. at four o'clock right. um, up in the upper 90 lounge. And I think from my reporting, it was very clear. Everyone went in there just wanting to have it resolved that day. Most fans or supporters in that meeting didn't really know what to expect, maybe expect a negotiation. Uh, but it started out very contrite, uh, very, I guess, apologetic from D. Haslam, uh, Dr. Pete Edwards, J.W. Johnson, who kind of really Dr. Pete and, and D. Haslam. Uh, and then they said, you know, here's what we're thinking and we want your thoughts. Then they went around the room and got their thoughts. And what was up on the board was Columbus Crew. That's going to be the name. And then a couple options for a tweak to the logo. And then after the meeting, uh, one as they're kind of drafting the joint statement between Nordek and, and the club to announce these changes and Tim Bezpachenko, Steve Lyons and uh, JW Johnson were 
furiously calling just about everyone in the league and other people to make this happen because I had to turn around very quickly. The official announcement was and that night. Uh, Hector Robledo, am I pronouncing that correct, Morgan? Yeah. From uh, La Turbina Amaria, the uh, Hispanic supporters group, <clears throat> had a conversation with D. Haslam about what type of outreach to the uh, Latinx community, the Hispanic community that the crew could do to bring those fans in. Uh, and from everyone who kind of witnessed that, it was a, more than an olive branch, but a, an actual kind of true partnership between supporters and the club to bring those fans in. So just all these anecdotes, I'm not trying to stand in for any of the decisions ownership or front office has, has made, but it seemed to go a long way uh, versus how this whole thing started. Uh, and I guess with that, I'll just ask you, Morgan, we were talking a little about uh, using that word gaslight. And, and the way that you described this meeting to me was they believed or D. Haslam explicitly said they thought by still using the crew in all of its various ways, they were honoring tradition, still moving it forward. Um, obviously, that wasn't correct. And they admitted it as such. Uh, I think you, what you had told me when you first had that meeting before the official launch of the initial rebrand was it's gaslighting, but it's not because it's still the crew around. So wh where do you, I guess, fall on, do you feel like they were really trying to mislead the fans or was this just a really big misunderstanding? Uh, can I just jump in here? That is the very definition of gaslighting. If you look it up, um, <laughs> Now, you can say that uh, that wasn't their intention, but that is the very definition of gaslighting saying uh, is is to misinform, to say this is not this. Well, to right to uh, mislead on purpose. I don't know if they were actually doing that. And that's what I'm asking. Yeah. So the question is, is it intentional or unintentional gaslighting? Um, right. You know, I, I think that <laughs> exactly. I think that uh, the former is the, the way that I feel. Um you know, so here's the thing. When, you know, D Haslam led that leading and meeting, led the meeting. When we went into it, I kind of figured out later in the day um, who was going to be there. And based on their participants, I figured this is probably one of one. Like they're not planning on having a second meeting. Uh, D Haslam, uh, J.B. Johnson, uh, Pete Edwards, Steve Lyons, um, Tim Bezmachenko, Tim Miller, everyone was there. The, the, the decision makers and the implementers were in the room. Uh, so that made me feel positive. When we got there, um, I, I've told you, Jacob, and probably you, Mike, that I went in there um, expecting negotiation. Um, we, were very, we were very clear on our side leading up to it with each other. Uh, in our communication about what we needed, what we wanted, what we'd like to see. Um, you know, and, and I think that when you go into a meeting like that, you have to decide whether your primary objective is to win a negotiation or win a relationship. And um, it's very important for me to keep this relationship between our organization and our fans strong. It is one of the, um, one of the things that we excel at in, in all of, in all of American sports. You, I, I dare you to find uh, a team and a fan base that are more entwined and, uh, and, uh, forward looking together than, than ours. Um, but it became very clear that, that they, they were there 
um, not necessarily not to negotiate, but more to inform us that they had heard us and that they were making corrective steps um, in, in, in light of what we had, we as a fan base had communicated to them. So like Jacob said, the first thing that D said was, uh, you know, I, I'm, I really regret this. I thought I was, I thought we were making a decision that would help. And, um, we misfired and here's what we're going to do to rectify that. One of the things that she said, JW echoed and Pete has said from day one of their ownership is that, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier when they took over in January of 2019, I mean, like they had to bring a legal pad and a pen into the front office and go, okay, who works here and what's your job? And then they had to, you know, get started on building the training facility and, and building a stadium downtown. I mean, at that point, I don't think the, the land agreement had even, you know, been finalized. Right. Um, and because of the lead time, the turnaround time that is Adidas and making jerseys, they had to decide right then what to do with the brand. And if you're asking me, I believe that, that, that D and JW and whomever else on that level, I don't know if it was Whitney Johnson, I don't know if uh, Jimmy was involved. They got some information that was bad. Um, they got some recommendations that, that they weren't great. Um, and they had to kind of pull the trigger because it was, you know, it was, they had to, they had to start putting these things into production. Um, that goes back to the institutional knowledge that I was talking about. They didn't quite yet have the, the right people surrounding them that could tell them that this is a horrible mistake. And they, they made it, they regretted it. And D was, uh, was, was very, uh, was very communicative in her regret over that decision and her concern on how to rectify it moving forward. Well, the league's fingers wearing on this. They, they always are. Um, if you look at the overall, uh, a trend of homogenizing, um, uh, American soccer, um, they are the homogenizers. They're the ones boiling the milk, uh, or is that pasteurization? I'm getting my my processes uh, conflated. In any case, uh, this this to me was uh, was uh, th that side of it. You say where they got some bad advice. Uh, I would I would bet the house uh, that I know where it came from, and it came right out of the 3D printer in uh, Don Garber's office. You know, um, that aside, good on local owners, uh, Morgan. I don't know how fans feel. Um, well, they feel a lot better now. Uh, obviously, the crest, um, I don't think, will last, but they have to stick with it for a while, if only to save face, uh, and because there's been an investment in it. But uh, uh, can you speak to what was done with the logo and, and how far that went toward appeasement? Because it went a long way, did it not? Yeah. So, you know, when, like I alluded to earlier, first, the name of, of the team, the name of the yes. team, they brought the name of the team back. And, and that's, that's the historical underpinning of this whole argument. Yes. We, we had two needs and two wants when we walked in there, the two needs were Columbus crew had to return as the name. No one was leaving that room until that was accomplished. Uh, the second was the supporter layouts liaison role had to be um, filled you know, there has to be a path for this knowledge to make its way up the, the, the chain of command. Our two wants were um, a better logo <laughs> <laughs> and for the crew to return to being a yellow soccer team. Um, you know, when you think about wh who we are, you think of the Columbus crew and a yellow soccer team. 
it, you know, I don't, I don't care what the crew means to you. I'm saying that if we're, they were the ones that brought up global recognition. So if you're talking about what is recognized around the globe, it is the Columbus crew are a yellow soccer team. Before we even had a chance to uh, comment or ask questions, D had a hundred percent, like guaranteed all four of those things. So, <laughs> you know, even though the lo- the logo got tweaked, Mike, you know, we've all seen it now. The 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 little tiny triangle baby got replaced by the number ninety six. What was that dot? What was the original dot? You know what the best thing about that is, Mike? No one knows. Even the people who made it don't know what it is. I I think it should be celebrated and protected. But you know, is it is it you know is it as good as the last logo? Absolutely not. Is it the best logo ever? Absolutely not. Did we objectively take a step down in logos? Yeah. Um, but you know, listen, you can go through life when it comes to negotiations, wanting to to dominate others so fiercely that you leave a trail of dust uh, of those who you interacted with behind you. Or you can say, I have a goal. You have a goal. What can we do to have those trajectories line up and, and uh, help have each other's thrusts kind of move us in the right direction? And I think that this new logo is a uh, is not just a compromise. It's a it's a it is kind of like a a celebration of the fact that when things matter to us, we have an ownership that will listen, engage and uh, operate in in uh, good faith discussions on how to rectify it. Jacob, any final thoughts before we wrap this up here? Well, from what I understand, ownership uh, likes the logo quite a bit, just in terms of they they want like they were very much wanting to keep a lot of parts of the logo. And I think a lot of that is just their connection financially to all that was spent to put this. I, I drove by the training uh, facility entrance yesterday, and there's the the new old uh, crest now with the uh, triangle, which I hope will just be known for ages as this deep cut and crew fandom as crew triangle. But so the, it's that thing. I'm sure there's plenty around the new stadium that they already ordered that for. So there's a big financial commitment there. Uh, I'll credit the supporters for just, I guess, being honest and, and fair, just not demanding that and say, hey, we want a little change, but um, we, we understand that's a big ask when the stadium opens in less than two months. So, look, I think everyone's ready to just focus back on soccer, uh, back on the on-field product again, and just looking forward to the opening of the new stadium. So, uh, Water under the bridge, I think, for most, if not, I'd say all people in that room, uh, certainly some fans, I think, are still going to be bitter about the process. But uh, time heals all wounds, I think, when you're kind of on an upward slope that this meeting kind of generated more goodwill. Winning will help, too. And and Morgan, I think, uh, uh, again, from from the you called it 20,000 feet view that, that that's a that's way up there. I'll just do like, uh, you know, 4,000. Um, but from, from that height, um, uh, what you saw from a business perspective, quite basically, and um, you're a man who runs your own business, um, is a, a, uh, th- a team, in this case, uh, uh, with a product uh, alienating um, all their core customers. Um, uh, ironically, to be a more global brand and doing this by 
basically uh, uh, destroying their global brand. So, you know, uh, hearts and everything were in the right place, but I, I don't know where someone was. Uh, I know it wasn't in the league office, but someone should have been saying, well, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> let's alienate all our best customers and destroy our global brand in the sake of for the sake of global branding. Last words to you, Morgan. You know, as uh, as a crew fan, I could not be more proud of the fan representation that we've seen in the, the last couple of weeks. Um, as a as a member of the Save the Crew leadership team, it 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 makes me feel warm and gooey and fuzzy all over to know that kind of that legacy continues on. I wanted to not just thank the people that were involved in this kind of negotiation, but also call attention to the fact that 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 this iteration of Save the Crew would never have existed without the first one. That Save the Crew original team would never have existed without the coming together of the three supporter groups in the corner in 2008. That would have never been possible if those original supporter groups hadn't started to begin with. Those supporter groups wouldn't have been possible if the, you know, the wrecking crew and, and uh, you know, uh, the V-Army hadn't existed. So I think that when, when we take a final look at this process, remember that it's only one chapter in our story. Um, the creation of the supporter liaison thing is, is something that you don't know exactly. You know what it is, but you don't know the benefits yet. And I think as time goes on, we will have, um, we have a, a much better environment in which to be fans because of these steps we've taken. So hats off to not just the people involved in this, but everybody who's ever been involved with uh, supporting and, and uh, organizing supporters. Uh, you guys are the real heroes, and uh, I'm beyond proud to have been a member of that um, of that uh, story, which should be cherished and celebrated. We all do stand on the shoulders of our fathers. Uh, that's Morgan Hughes, uh, our guest today. Morgan, we'll have to have you back soon. Uh, you can fill the air uh, for Jacob Myers, our fine crew beat writer. And the dot on everyone's crust, Patrick Flaherty, the pod father, our producer. I'm Mike A. Race. Thanks for joining us. Check out Dispatch.com. Uh, Jacob's writing too much, and uh, he, he needs a rest, much like the people who had to get off the mat to save the crew once again. So for everyone here, thanks for joining us. We'll probably talk to you again in a week's time. Patrick, kick us out of here. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.